Welcome to Coffee with Kim. I'm Kim Kelp, and every week you and I sit down with fascinating, smart, and talented leaders, CEOs, and founders so that we can copy their homework. If someone knows how to do something really well, I want to know what it is and exactly how they're doing it. Get ready for aha moments, gems of wisdom, and little known tips and tricks that we can steal and use in our own lives. If you want to join these conversations and ask these experts your own questions, no point in just me having all the fun. Join us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern live over on LinkedIn. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is so good to see you and so good to come in from New York City. I wish you could see my view from here because I am on the 46th floor of Seven World Trade. And I can tell you, I can see absolutely nothing. I can see absolutely So pretty excited to be joining you here today from New York City on the 46th floor of Seven World Trade. I'm looking out right now and can tell you I can safely see nothing, absolutely nothing, because it is such a snowy, foggy, rainy day that I just see a white wall of mist. So I am really excited to be here with you today, cozy on in with my green tea. Super curious to hear what's in your cup. If you haven't already, let us know in the chat where you're coming in from, what's new. As always, it's going to be a really fun session today because we have somebody joining us that I have been dying selfishly to talk to for quite some time, especially because we have lots of mutual friends. We have lots of people that we both know. And so I've just heard nothing but glowing things for many, many years. So I'm really excited about today. We are going to have Dory Clark with us. Hopefully, as you know, you've already done your Google stalking. You've already done your research. You already know what Dory is all about. But just in case you came to coffee unprepared, don't worry. I got you. I would never leave you hanging like that. If you didn't already do your Googling, Dory is a keynote speaker. She teaches at the business school at Duke University. She is not a one, not a two, not a three, but a four-time book author. And her newest book, which was released back in September of 2021, quickly became a Wall Street Journal bestseller, and it is called The Long Game. She also contributes frequently to Harvard Business Review, so you might recognize her name from there or from LinkedIn Learning. I know the list goes on and on. I'm sure like me, you're like, holy moly, how is she able to do it all? That's what we're here to find out. We're here to steal all the secrets and copy them and figure out how we can make them work in our own lives. And just know, this is an interactive session. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you're like, Dora, I've been dying to ask you this for years and years, drop them in the comment section. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to just ask all my questions, although there are many, I will share with you so that we can all feel like we are chatting over coffee or tea together. So please raise your glass or cup from wherever you are and help me in welcoming Dory. Oh my goodness. Hi, Kim. How's it going? I'm so excited. How are you? Well, I'm great. I didn't, I didn't realize you're like 10 minutes away from me. I should, I should, uh, you know, just come on over. I, I see the, I see the crappy weather out my window too. 
I know we're like, and, and two days ago, it was 75 and sunny, gorgeous. It felt like spring has sprung. And then I don't know what happened. Yeah, not so much anymore. <laughs> it, it all went to crap so quickly. It happens. That is, so, that is true. But it's great to connect. It's great to connect. I'm so excited. Like I said, I've been really excited about connecting with you for quite some time because holy moly, you sort of do it all. And I'm sure you hear that all the time, but as, as someone who kind of is in this space, like I also create LinkedIn courses, you know, I also do keynote speaking. I am even like, wow, like four bucks. Like we have a mutual friend, Vanessa Van Edwards. I was just with her last week and like seeing all that's going on in this book tour. And I'm like, how do you guys do this? Like over and over again, it's bananas. Yeah, it's it's true. It is it is a form of masochism. I'm I'm having to restrain myself now. I actually the good news about my newest book, The Long Game, is I decided that it would be given the topic that it would be hypocritical of me to write another book too quickly. I'm like, no, no, I have to play the long game about marketing the book. And that is a very good mechanism for me to keep me from repeating this process again too quickly. Well, I feel like I resonated so much with your book and the message as someone who I feel like obviously the book speaks to a lot of people, but I feel I felt like why it really spoke to me is I I'm I'm a doer. I love a checklist. Ooh, I love a checklist. Feeling like I did that coffee meeting with that person. I, you know, I love a good checklist, da, 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 which is sometimes, and, and that's why I'm excited to dig in with you today, is sometimes the antithesis of what you actually need to reach those long-term goals. That the busyness, the, the loving of the check marks, which I love, uh, sometimes doesn't actually lead us to the end goal. And I'm curious, was that something that you felt like you had been sitting with for a while? Or was it something that you were seeing in other colleagues that you're like, hmm, everyone seems to be doing the same thing? Or kind of, how did this nugget come to you? Well, I think all of us these days in, in modern business life and modern society struggle with a lot of these questions um, in general, right? There's a, there's a push toward short-term thinking, partially because we're human and instant gratification is nice, and partially because of things like the rise of social media and just this constant barrage that is sending us overt or implicit messages saying like, look at all the things everyone else is doing. I mean, you're just alluding to it, right? She wrote four books. Why didn't you write four books? You know, all the craziness. And so that's the kind of thing that can get us spinning. So of course I recognized it in myself, but also frankly, it's easier to like with anything, it's easier to recognize it in other people. And so I kept coming across coaching clients of mine that I would work with. And every time I talked to them, they were so frustrated. They were like, well, it's not working. It's not working. And a lot of my job was kind of calming them down and being like, no, 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 no. It's not that it's not working. It's that it, ha it hasn't started yet. It's not working yet. There is a difference. And I realized that because of the kind of impatience that we have, it's, it's not that we're impatient like as a character flaw, but it is that we know that success doesn't happen overnight, but nobody tells us anything beyond that. It's like, okay, well, what is not overnight? And so we think that we're behind. And the truth is, most of the time, we're not behind. We're doing it just right. We're doing it just fine, but we need to relax a little bit. And that's, that's you know part of what animated me in writing The Long Game. 
Well, and I feel like it's so beneficial, not only for us to hear in terms of our careers, but even, you know, as sort of like a marketing nerd myself, so much of what we're pushed, whether it's by social media or media in general, is this kind of message of you're late, you're not enough. I mean, you can look at the beauty industry that's basically been telling women you're not pretty, your hair looks bad, or, you know, like that's the whole marketing machine is that you're not enough. You need all these products on your face or in your hair to, you know, make you presentable to the world. But I, I'm wondering if you got, you know, because I, I know you do a lot of speaking with some of these bigger organizations. I'm curious if you got sort of not pushback from them, but them being like, oh, God, is Dory going to make my team less busy and efficient? Like, you know, are they going to make start saying no to, you know, team meetings because it's not, you know, going to going to hit their end goal? I'm just curious how that how that worked out for you. Well, I think I think the interesting thing is that Almost everybody, and you know, this is true for individuals, this is also true for corporations and corporate leaders, almost everybody recognizes the value, at least in the abstract, of strategic thinking. You know, we're all like, yes, yeah. that is a good idea. I would like to be more strategic. I would like my people to be more strategic. And I think there's a sort of general appreciation of the fact that, frankly, a lot of people waste a lot of time. I, I know even I do. I try so hard to guard against it, but it's very easy to fall down, you know, rabbit holes of answering emails or doing these things that we kind of recognize are low priority. And yet it's, it's easier to, to quantify, you know, there, there's sort of a, a, you know, it's not a profound satisfaction, but there is some satisfaction in just getting, you know, weed whacking the emails in your inbox. But I, I think that most of us uh, if if we pull back, recognize, oh gosh, it actually would be better if we were making smarter and more thoughtful choices about where we're allocating our time. It's not like we can make more time, so we need to just make better choices about our time. Well, and I'm curious for you, is it hard, even though you know all this, and even though you've written a book about it, do you even still catch yourself sometimes falling, like slipping back into, oh my gosh, it's been 40 minutes and I've just been down an email train. I mean, sure. I think I, it's, it's a, it's, I, I won't call it a constant temptation. Um, it's right. not like it's tempting, like a cake. It's more temptation, like, um, the last temptation of Christ, <laughs> like a not good temptation. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's the kind of thing where it just like, it keeps coming. And so you feel like you're drowning. And you want to just get your nose a little bit more above the water. I think that's really the feeling. And so in some ways, it's I, I would say there's two things that are going on. The first is that, frankly, um, one of the concepts that I talk about in the long game is the idea of deciding what to be bad at. And, I, and ultimately, it's about making peace that there are, you know, there are always going to be people that are waiting for messages from us always. And we're just going to have to recognize it and say, you know what? I can't care about everything. <laughs> I'm going to choose not to care about that because I'm doing my best. That is one piece of it. And then the second piece is even more important than that, which is making better upstream choices. I, what I've come to realize is that, you know, for every yes, essentially every yes, even if it's exigent in the moment, essentially means you're going to get five to 10 more emails about that. Yes. Oh, great, Dory. Well, can you send us your uh, talk description? Can you send us your bio? Can you send us your headshot? Oh, well, actually, no, sorry. We need to change the time. It can't be at 4.30. It needs to be at 3.30. 
Oh, well, would you mind sharing this on social? Here's the link. Oh, no, that was the wrong link. Here, here's another link. You know, and it, every yes leads to downstream consequences. And so we have to get very, very careful about the yeses. And how do we selfishly, I'm asking this for myself as well. I've heard you talk on a lot of podcasts that it's okay not to know sort of the big end picture. So if you don't have this big end goal that in 10 years, you know, I want to be the CEO of a fortune 500 company, or you, you don't have this kind of bigger, very niche lofty goal. How do you, how would you help somebody get okay with what does that look like? If, if we're thinking 10, 15 years ahead, is it really just kind of more amorphous that I want to be happy and fulfilled and, and kind of whatever that work looks like in 10 to 15 years is what it is? Or do you suggest that people say like, I know I want to be happy in sales or in marketing? Like how loose or, or how niche do you think people need to get when they're thinking about 10, 15 years, those kind of longer term visions? It's, it's an important question. And, you know, we all know the business mantra, of course, you know, what gets measured gets done. And so obviously it's an easier scenario if you say, well, I know I want this because it, then it gives us the tools to work backwards from it. Oh, well, if you want this, then obviously you need to tee up this and this and this and this, and you have your action plan. If you're unsure of the final destination, then it, it can be a little bit amorphous because it's like, well, what does success even look like exactly? So that is why I would say I want to be happy probably is too broad of a goal. Like, yes, don't, you know, don't we all, <laughs> but what, what I also think it's important to guard against, you know, we're sort of navigating these poles, right? So we don't want to be too vague, but we also don't want to be too rigid uh, in the sense of being what I will call prematurely rigid, because oftentimes we feel a lot of pressure, like, well, I have to know there's something wrong with me if I don't know. And so you Correct. make, a yeah, you make some sort of a choice and like you get yourself locked into it. And it's like, oh, well, because you were, you decided to, that you wanted to be a doctor when you're 14. Now you have to be a doctor when you're 54, even if you hate it. I mean, no, you don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to have that lock in. What, what I believe is a better scenario is to create what I will call a provisional hypothesis. And that is, okay, for now, I think it might be cool to be a Fortune 100 CEO. I'm going to aim at that. You know what? I could change that because if something better comes along, maybe I'll do that. Or maybe I'll get more intelligence and I'll discover that, no, actually, that's that's not what I want, you know, and 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 that's fine. But at least moving progressively towards something gives you optionality. Because even if you're not going to do that thing, you've been building skills in that direction. And so if you pivot, you know, 20 degrees or 45 degrees or whatever, you have at least been developing your skills in that approximate area. So that's how I think about it. How, how does it work for you, Kim? Do you have a 15-year goal for yourself or, or is it more loose? You know, it's, I feel like when younger, I had these sort of like in long term. And then what I sort of realized, and I don't know if it's being in the startup space or like the entrepreneurship space, uh, but things just change on the fly so quickly. I mean, I always liken it to when I first started my entertainment business, there was no such thing as Spotify, no such thing as Instagram, and no such thing as, as Snapchat or TikTok. And just in the last, you know, so the, the technology is adapting so quickly. I think if I think it's really hard, at least for some industries to say, well, you know, one day to your point in 10 years, I want to be a publisher of a magazine. 
Well, magazines 10 years ago, I think we can all agree, certainly had a larger foothold than they do now. Now you might say, well, being a, a CEO of TikTok is more valuable than being the CEO of Condé Nast. You know, both are media outlets just in a different form. So it's been tricky for me. And I was really excited to talk to you in March because I also feel, I'll speak for myself, that sometimes I set these goals in January and around March-ish, uh, that first quarter is when I kind of start to say, okay, do I need to tilt a little to the left or a little to the right, or do we keep on course? And I think that adaptability, at least for a type A, uh, sort of liking all of her ducks in the row, it's super hard. Being adaptable for me is super hard. I have to work at it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We have to, I mean, it, these are all muscles that we have to build. I mean, one of the points that I make in the long game is it's not that short-term thinking is inherently bad. Like I don't, I don't want to say, oh, short-term thinking is bad and long-term thinking is good. Actually, they're both good. You need both of them, but you need them at different times. Like during the pandemic, for instance, short-term thinking was great. Like, like if you're if you're still trying to pursue your long-term plan that you created in February of you know 2020. And, you know, all of a sudden it's March and everything's shut down. International borders are closed. Uh, you can't leave your house. It's like, you know what? Actually, if you're continuing to pursue the plan you had, you're probably making a terrible mistake. You need to have short-term thinking then. But also similarly, if two years later, all you're doing is is short-term thinking, if, if, if you got in that rut and you can't get out of that, well, that's a problem too. Well, exactly. And I'm wondering, you know, to Giacomo's point, do you find that you give sort of different short-term, long-term, the way to think about things based on age? Like, okay, if you're 21, you might have a different ratio than if you're 45 versus if you're 55. Or do you think that age really isn't something that comes in as a, as a factor in this sort of stuff? I would say it's a little bit of a factor, but it's not a huge mm -hmm. factor. And what I, what I mean by that is oftentimes people in their heads make it a bigger factor. Um, frankly, I think a lot of people make a lot of excuses for themselves. And it's not to say that 100% of the time it's not valid, that, you know, that wouldn't be true either. But a lot of the time there's scripts and it's, well, I can't do it because... And it's, you know, mm -hmm. insert the thing. Uh, but oftentimes it is, well, you know, because I'm over 50 or because, you know, whatever the number in their head. And, you know, the truth is, if you are 50 now, statistically, you're probably going to live another 40-ish years. Like your life is, is basically not even half over and you're already writing yourself off. To me, that's preposterous. And yet people do that all the time. And, and I, I think it's really doing a disservice to themselves. I think for me, what is the more salient uh, point of restriction, it's not about age, it's about financial obligations. And that's sometimes correlated with age, but, but not always. So, I mean, it is true that you cannot take as big of a risk if you have committed yourself and you've made choices that lock you in with regard to a mortgage, with regard to kids and college and things like that, it's not about your age. It's about the decisions that you've made and the commitments that you've made. That's okay. It's, it's very legitimate. Um, it also doesn't mean that you can't take any risks. It just means you have to be prudent and maybe they're smaller ones. But uh, for me, that's, that's how I would think about that.
And when it comes to really looking at, you know, being prudent, looking at what you've committed to, looking at what you haven't done, how, what steps would you suggest that somebody takes if they're thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I, I'm listening to Dory. I'm not going to, you know, numb myself into this like workaholic mode. I really want to sit down and like ask the hard questions. What are like two or three steps that you would suggest that people take if they, if they think like, okay, I think I'm ready to do that process. You know, in some ways, I, I think we, it's, it's almost like, you know, when people think about writing a book, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we do, we do, it's right, you know, capital letters, writing a book. They think yes. of it as like this huge thing, like, oh God, I couldn't do that. I couldn't start <laughs> on that. But, you know, I mean, anybody can sit down and write like a paragraph today. Like you could start writing a sure. book if you think yeah. of it. And similarly, I think sometimes people get a little bit flummoxed around strategic thinking because they assume that it's this big process, this big plan, this big thing that they have to do. Honestly, yeah. what I advise people to do, especially if we're thinking about super long-term planning and, you know, by super long-term, I mean, I mean, you know, let's call it 20 years or something like that, where it's just, you know, you, you can't necessarily trace the exact path from here to there yeah. because there's a lot of variables in between. But if we're thinking about that, there's not, there's not necessarily like a specific plan that I would suggest for people to do. It is much mm. more impressionistic. And I think probably more fun and easier than people would imagine. Really? The question is what sounds cool to you? What would be, what would make you happy? What would be exciting? You don't have to know how to do it. It, it. That's what the 20 years in between is for. If right. you know how to do it today, then great. You could do it tomorrow. But no, this is a goal for 20 years from now. You don't have to know. And your mission for the 20 years is, you know what, figure it out. Like we, you know, we meet, meet the people, read the books, do the things. But 20 years is a very long time. You can accomplish almost anything that is not prohibited by the laws of nature. So for me, my 20-year plan is I would like to be uh, a U.S. ambassador to somewhere somewhere cool, somewhere good, you know, like not Ukraine at the moment, for instance. <laughs> Poor Ukraine. But, uh, but, you know, I would like to do something like that. Now, what does that entail? Um, largely what it entails is picking uh, picking out who is going to be the president and get, giving that person a lot of money. <laughs> it's very speculative. Um, but I don't have to know the answer now. Nobody knows who's going to be running for president 20 years from now. And so I uh, that that is just something that if I have that lens, I can think about, okay, well, what are the positions that I can put myself in that might be might bring me closer to that goal? And even if it doesn't literally bring me to that goal, it'll probably bring me somewhere interesting that I'd enjoy. So that's what I'm working towards. So it really is just asking the question of like, you know what? Daydream a little bit. Who are you jealous of? What sounds cool? What would you love to be able to do? Um, many of us are thinking too small. I, I think that's such a good point. I'm, I, I will say I'm definitely guilty sometimes of thinking too small because I think you just brought up a really good point when you're talking about being an ambassador. There's a whole world out there. I think sometimes we even think too small and like what's going on in my state or what's going on in my country. And you forget there's a whole, there's a whole other world out there more than just the, the zip code that you're in. So I think that's such a good and really important point to make. I'm curious with Jeff's point that he just brought up when, when we're thinking about those long-term visions and we're thinking about commitments we already have, whether that's a mortgage or kids or a family in some way, do you ever get into with your clients, you know, 
the financials of it? Like, is it, you know, safety plans? Is it, hey, you're going to have to, what is it, spend money to make money? Like, you kind of got to put yourself out there a little bit or what's kind of your take on, and I'm sure there's no right or wrong answer, but is there one sort of golden rule that you use with clients when it comes to managing their finances with this kind of long-term thinking? Yeah. Well, I can, I can tell you, Kim, what my bias is. Um, certainly yeah. a lot of this is about people's personalities and their, their personal comfort with risk. But honestly, I, uh, in this particular regard, am very risk averse. I, and here's the reason reinventing yourself, which is the topic of, of one of my books, reinventing you, or, you know, doing any kind of strategic transformation, like I talk about in the long game is a process that, you know, frankly takes some time almost always. I mean, you know, it's possible we could be pleasantly surprised, but almost always it takes longer than we want it to. And we just have to bake it in. I mean, it's like getting your bathroom redone. It's like, okay, you know, whatever they say times two, you know, times three, whatever. It's just so annoying. But we have to just bake that in and understand. And so if you are basically operating on fumes where you have tapped into your savings and you start to get to the point where it's like, okay, but I planned for six months and now it's nine months. And like, what do I do? And where does the money come from? And whatever. It is such a level of stress that I feel like yeah. you can't, you, you almost can't enjoy anything. Even if good no. things are happening, you can't enjoy it because the stress level is so high. And yep. I, I find that to be, I mean, I guess it's, it's motivating in the sense of like, you have to do it, but I mean, Jesus, who wants to live that way? It sounds terrible. So I am a big fan of having people make small bets, try to explore things you know, do the things you can build your network. Any, you know, if you want to make a transition or try something new, anybody can start building a network in a new field while they have the existing job. Anybody can start taking courses, building their skills, preparing themselves. But what is this, you know, the small thing that you can do to move the ball forward in my first book, reinventing you, I tell the story of this woman, Patricia Fripp, who reinvented herself. And for many years now has become a very popular and successful uh, professional speaker she started out as a hairdresser, which it sounds like, how do you, how do you do that? But for a decade, she had a salon, she had a lease on a salon and she just would speak on the side and all of the profits she got from speaking, she would just reinvest into that business. You know, okay, now I can pay for a nicer website. Now I can pay for nicer videos. Okay. Now I can pay for training or what have you. And at the end of 10 years, which is way longer than most people would want or would think about, but she was methodical. At the end of 10 years, she was able to walk away from her hairdressing business because she was now making more money as a professional speaker. That is the way to do it with no stress. With you know, Like, yes, could you speed up that process if you decide to quit and burn the boats? You could, but uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's especially if you have obligations or commitments to other people, that sounds super stressful to me. I would rather languidly walk, uh, in a nice orderly fashion into the next phase rather than jumping off of the burning pier and swimming and taking some gasoline into your mouth. That's just me. I, I could not agree more. I'm the exact same way you are with this, which I think most people find surprising, at least about me when they meet me, because they're like, but you quit corporate, you know, but you work for yourself. So I think sometimes there's this category of like, oh, if you don't work at a corporate job, then you love risk. 
you know, cause you're betting on yourself and, and you must love risk. But I actually, I totally agree with you. I'm actually quite risk averse. And I think those stories, you know, the 10 years, let's be honest, like they're not the sexy ones. Like no one wants that story. Cause it's not like the sexy Bitcoin NFTs. I'm a billionaire in like six months. Like that's the sexy long game story that everybody wants. But you make a great point that sometimes the best stories are ones that just those baby steps every single day, working towards that second or third goal that you have. You know, for you, our, our mutual friend Terry also brings up a really good point. Do, are there other people that you feel like maybe are, I don't know, I want to, I hate the word role models. I feel like that can go either way, but are there individuals rather that you look to and can say, okay, that person played the long game really well? Yeah, ab absolutely. And of course, Terry Rice is someone I, I profiled in the long game who himself has done uh, a really great job of this. But I'll give I'll give a sort of famous example and then I'll give a you know regular person example as a famous yeah. example. Actually, uh, I you know, in terms of long term thinking, frankly, there's not a lot of role models out there. I mean, there's a lot more sort of slash and burn types, but uh, credit where credit is due. Jeff Bezos and Amazon and the way he has run Amazon over the past 20 years really has been an exemplar of long-term thinking. Um, he, from, from his very first shareholder report, he, you know, he sternly warned people and said, don't look for immediate profits. That ain't going to happen. We're going to be reinvesting in the business. Don't be surprised. And he was true to his word, but that reinvestment enables you to build this incredible competitive moat. And so, you know, one of the things that I think is, is so powerful, which I quote in the long game, is back in 2011, so over a decade ago, he was interviewed by Wired Magazine. And they asked him, okay, Jeff Bezos, what's the secret of your success? And he said, okay, what we do at Amazon is actually very different. And this is why we think we're successful. Everybody else is doing budgeting and planning on a three-year cycle. They're making investments, and those investments have to pay off in three years or less. Otherwise, they're not going to do it. But Amazon is willing to invest on a seven-year schedule. It can take seven years for a new product line, new service, whatever, to pay for itself. Now, from you can understand most companies don't want to wait that long because, frankly, their executives are probably out the door within three years. But Jeff Bezos, because he was nurturing his own company, playing for the long term, he knew, you know what? It's all going to be worth it. We can have six and a half years of losses on something, but if we can turn it into a juggernaut in year seven, in year eight, then everything is going to be worthwhile. And this is how we get, you know, 100 million people or whatever it is who are Amazon Prime subscribers. This is how we get uh, all of the ecosystem that they've built up with, with things like their cloud services, you know, Amazon uh, Web Services. So I think that that's a really powerful example that we can all be learning from. And in terms of, you know, regular people who are uh, just, you know, doing powerful things. I mean, one example, uh, which... He, he is a, a business person, but it's not precisely a business example. Uh, in the long game, I profile a, a, a friend a friend of mine. He's a colleague in a program I run, the rec recognized expert program named Luis Velasquez. Luis was a professor, a university science professor. And he, this is, you know, over a decade ago, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. 
and he had to have surgery, you know, this huge recovery. And they told him, Luis, you, you know, Luis, of course, was very ambitious. And he's like, okay, so when can I get back to work? When can I be, you know, like running my marathon? And they're like, um, you need to know you might not even walk after this. Like, let's set expectations. And he was just, he was not willing to accept that. And so when he was doing physical therapy, which as you can imagine, was incredibly hard after his brain surgery, he, he actually refused to call it physical therapy. He called it his marathon training. And that was his vision that, you know, okay, I'm not just going to learn to walk again. I am going to be better than I was. And they would assign him his physical therapy exercises. And he'd do 5X or 10X of what they suggested because he wanted to get better. And today, Luis runs Ironmans. Uh, I mean, I, I can't, you know, I can't even do a 5K. Like it's, I mean, so this guy has pushed past it. He's playing the long game. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well, okay. Now I'm really regretting that of croissant I had for breakfast. It sounds like, that's like we need to go into training sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're talking about like the, the, the defining, when, when people are thinking about defining themselves and maybe it's getting involved in a program like yours, or maybe it's getting involved in, and just kind of they're on their own defining themselves and really kind of figuring out what it is that they are going to be known for their, their brand or their expertise. Are there any tips or guidelines or little aha nuggets that you give your, your clients to help them start that process? Well, you know, as, as we're thinking about, you know, sort of moving the ball forward in terms of, of our long-term goals, you know, I would say the the first piece, as we were talking about earlier, really is kind of setting up a provisional hypothesis just so you have something that you're working towards, right? Other, otherwise, uh, you know, as they say, right, does it doesn't really matter where you end up, as, you know, if you, don't, if you don't care, you know, you're sort of like the jellyfish floating. So you're heading towards something. But then I, I really think that an important piece of it, an important part of it is, first of all, recognizing and being willing to celebrate small victories along the way, it is so easy for all of us to neglect that and to just sort of keep, you know, sometimes we get so good at keeping the end in mind. That's all we think about. And anything up to that, we tend to minimize. Oh yeah, well, they invited me to speak at the conference, but it's only a breakout session or whatever. And, you know, we just think, oh, well, that's not so special because you're comparing yourself to the people that are like years ahead of you. I think what we need to do is twofold. The first thing is I always like to go, you know, to sort of ratchet it back a little bit and think about yourself five years ago. If you were traveling back in time and you're whispering in your ear and you're like, hey, Kim, guess what? Five years from now, you're going to get to blah, 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 blah. Would yourself of like 20, what was it be, 20? 17, would they be excited to hear about the thing? Would they, would they be like, oh my God, really? I get to do the thing? And if they are, that is worth celebrating. Even if today we have somehow adjusted to say, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal, right? Because our, our baseline has shifted. I think that's that's an important piece. And I think that the other thing, which I, I have an, an anecdote uh, that I share in the long game from a, from a great colleague of mine named David Berkus. Uh, David's an, an author, you know, a, a former university professor, really smart guy. 
And he was feeling, then this is so common for all of us, right? Uh, he was feeling kind of tormented because he he was doing a podcast interview years ago with Dan Pink, the author, um, and he was just like basically feeling bad that he was not as successful as Dan Pink. Like, what am I what am I doing wrong? And so he asked Dan, he's like, hey, do you have any advice for me? Like, you know, ba basically like, you know, what am I doing wrong? And Dan Pink said to him, you know, I could tell you something, but you know, the truth is I've been doing this for 17 years longer than you have. Like, I, eh. and, and, and for David, it really finally, finally clicked in like, oh, right. And so now he's doing what, you know, what my name for it is time handicapping, kind of like you have a golf handicap, which is, you know, David realized, oh, well, I'm not as successful as Dan Pink today, but I am as successful as he was in 2001. And so it, it just that, that level of perspective. And I think it's really important for us to keep that in mind. Well, I think you bring up a really good point there, which is I, you know, and again, I'll speak for myself. Sometimes it is really hard to self-evaluate. Self-evaluating, it is much easier if a friend or a colleague says like, did you think about this? Or have you considered this? you you don't think about yourself the same way that other people think about you because you have your own sort of neuroses in your mind that you pick yourself apart about. And so I really like Anya's question here is, why do you think it's so difficult for us to recognize um, things or, or like in this example, these aha moments that Daniel Pink was like, dude, I got 17 years on you. Like I, I can see that clear as day, but to you, you don't, see it clear as day maybe as other people do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in, in, in so many different ways, I mean, this is like the whole premise of the, you know, multi-trillion dollar psychotherapy profession, right? It's like, oh gosh, very hard for us to see ourselves accurately. Um, so, so th this is not just in business. This is pretty much in everything in life that we are, uh, that, that we struggle with. But I think that there's there's a lot of countervailing forces, right? Some of it is that, you know, I mean, this is this is not true for for everybody, but certainly there are many people out there that have, you know, we we're all essentially handed a script by society, and I think it is inevitable that at some point we have to evaluate that script for ourselves and say, is this actually what I want, or is this what society wants for me? Is this what my parents want for me? Is this what my spouse or friends want for me? And, you know, some of us have, have you know, done this and, and other people are, you know, kind of forced into it, but we all have to kind of get through it uh, eventually. And so I, I think that that becomes part of it that, that gets a little tangled. And I think also it's, it's just hard to, uh, to be able to really judge. There's a, there's a concept that I talk about in the long game um, and it's called the deception phase. And I, I love this because I feel like it's so, it's so apt. So many people face it, but basically this is a concept that is sort of borrowed from a different world, the, the world of Silicon Valley and the growth of exponential technology. And so Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler write about this, that there's a deception phase in exponential technology, which is the place where the technology is advancing. You know, it's, it's doing its thing. It's growing exponentially, but it's the early days. And so it's the, the progress while it is exponential, it looks very small to the naked eye. And so the casual observers like, I don't see anything. This sucks, you know, and, and then they sort of bat it down. 
And the truth is a lot of our own lives, a lot of our own careers actually function in the deception phase. Because even if we are making progress, even if we feel like, yeah, I'm working, I'm getting somewhere, everybody else looks at it and they're like, well, that sucks. And so it's just very easy to believe that. Uh, so so it, it's it's jarring and it can be hard for all of us to push through to the other side. Well, and I think one of the main ways you, you hit on such a good point, I think the main way to really push through to the other side is if, I, if people ask me sometimes, you know, what's my biggest regret you know, building my company over the last 10 years. And honestly, that's that's in the top three. One of my biggest regrets is that we did not celebrate those small wins along the way. There was always something bigger or better or, okay, well, that's fine that Walmart's carrying our product, but Target's not. Okay, it's fine that Walmart and Target are carrying our products, but Cracker Barrel's not. You know, we didn't do a great job of really stopping and maybe it's buying a cake Maybe it's taking the day off. Like, I don't know what the celebration looks like for you. When you celebrate those small wins, what does it look like for you? Is it, you know, friends keeping you accountable or is it kind of something you do for yourself? Something nice? Well, I'm not going to lie to you, Kim. I usually eat peanut butter pie. Love that. <laughs> there, there, are these two, there are these two gay guys in my building and they have a business selling peanut butter pies and it's it's like very hard to, honestly to kind of get the peanut butter pie because like <laughs> i don't know there's a lot of competition and so you text oh them God. and they'll text you like two weeks later they're like we got some pies do you want the pie it's like a drug deal it it kind of it kind of is so you think <laughs> you take the pie when you get it and then uh i usually buy two at a time and then i keep one in the freezer just just so I have it, just in case right. I need to celebrate. But yeah, I actually, I'm back in New York this week after like two months away and I had, I had forgotten, I had forgotten, <laughs> but I still have half a peanut butter pie in my freezer. So it's a very pleasant surprise. So I'm like, yes, there's, you know, small wins here. Peanut butter pie is a good win. Although I know you're in Miami too, and they also have amazing desserts down there. So you're on the dessert train. You're like kind of covered. It's it's true. I, I think I need to somehow, you know, find a source of like guava, guava and queso pies or something like that. Guava and queso pie. You're like, just keep it. I always tell people, you want to find the heart, the heart of someone, food. Food. Like it works for kindergartners and it works for adults. Bring them a treat. They're happy. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. I'm so excited because we've reached like the, the speed round questions, which are sort of like my personal favorite because we just copy word for word exactly what you're doing. Um, and we just use it for ourselves. So I hope you're okay with us copying you on this. Let's do Pretty it. Let's do it. Okay. What is something that you have started using lately or doing lately that you really love? It could be like, I'm obsessed with this app or, you know, I started ordering, you know, these products on subscription, but like that thing that when you're going to coffee with your friends, you're like, Oh, have you heard about this? I'm obsessed with it. Okay. So I, I had to think long and hard about, you know, what I wanted to stock my, my new place in Miami with. And I have to tell you something that might not be intuitive, but that was one of my first orders. Um, I was shocked that like not everybody's on this train. So I want to, I want to share this. Okay. You know what a whirly pop is, Kim? I have absolutely no idea what that is. Yeah. Well, consider yourself informed now. A whirly pop is a stovetop 
popcorn popping apparatus that you turn a crank for. And, you know, I mean, we all know that microwave popcorn is like disgusting and filled with horrible chemicals. Well, it um, burns. Yeah. It always burns the bottom of the bag. Right. And all, and all, all of that is just, it's basically like eating a bunch of plastic. Who wants that? So you need to, you need to have a way to create healthy popcorn. And so this is like the old timey way that you can do it on the stove. It takes like three minutes. It's fantastic. It's like a pot. It's like, it's like a pot. It's like a covered pot and it has a, um, I don't know. It's like a, uh, like a fan blade almost. And it just circulates the, uh, the popcorn kernels. Okay. I'm immediately going on Amazon and looking at it. Also, Whirly Pop just sounds fun. I it, need to, it totally does. I see Jeffrey life. has it just put in the amazing. link. So yeah. Yeah. Whirly Pops for everyone. Okay. Done. Great. Okay. Then this, well, you can't use Whirly Pop for this, but is there another gift or maybe it's something you've done for yourself recently that you felt like was really a good move? Like you started incorporating naps or you treated yourself to, I don't know, a spa day or something. Well, so, okay. So, so I'm in the, I'm in the early days of this, but I was very proud of myself because, uh, I recently wrestled with it enough to set it up and to sort of test the hypothesis. So I think this is going to be cool. Uh, and if I get the right patio furniture, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make it real, but, but the premise works. There is a thing called the, called the capsule by, by Nebula. And it is basically, it's kind of like a soda can. It's not very big. And it is a projector and you hook it up on the internet to your Netflix or your Amazon. And it lets you carry with you this like movie projector. And so for me, I mean, you can, have, you can project it on like different things. I mean, I guess if you're in the woods, you need to bring a screen or something too. But for me, I can project it from my roof deck onto the wall of my condo. And so I am planning to have outdoor movie nights. That's my new strategy. Oh my gosh. You, that, it's like a projector in your pocket, mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. I like that. And now you got the popcorn. These things go hand in hand. I, I like to think holistically. That. That's part of long-term thinking as well. <laughs> Sort of long-term thinking. It's a long-term product and thinking strategy. Yes. Brilliant. I love it. Okay. What's the next thing that you're hoping to learn? And I feel like the answer might be like directing movies. If we're just staying in theme, that might be the answer. But is there something that you're looking forward to learning in 2022? You know, what I have been doing, I've, I've been reading... I've been on kind of a binge about reading books about like futurism and, you know, like, like predicting the future and how people predict the future. Um, so, so that's been kind of a, a thing that I've been pursuing. I think that what I need to do just to tie in with current events, I really need to understand more about Russian history. Um, last mm -hmm. night, somebody was like, well, blah, blah, blah. You know, when Russia and Japan were at war and I'm like, wait, what? Like when were they at war? Apparently it was like 120 years ago. So, I mean, admittedly I wasn't, around for that but i totally like didn't even know they had been at war which is kind of embarrassing so you know now i i feel like i need to get better briefed about all of that i i feel like that's definitely something you can go down the rabbit hole on the history channel of all sorts of docu-series and mini-series which i just think is a little more fun than books 
I love books. I love me a good book, but that, that history channel, they got, they have some good docu-series on there. It's true. It's absolutely true. They're really, they're really good at that. Okay. I feel like even though you probably don't spend a ton of time online because that is a waste and is really short term and it's not part of long term goal setting or thinking, but if you do happen to find yourself on the social media platforms, are there certain accounts or humans that you follow that you just feel like they add to your life? They're sort of that aha, oh, I really liked that post, or that was really interesting, or thought-provoking article. Who are those humans that we should also be following? Yes, this is this is great. Well, I will I will share two. Um, I'm defining humans loosely. Uh, yeah, one or is brands. If it's a brand, if you're like you know. Wordle pop, Wordly pop is great. I don't know. That's right. Well, I'm going to start with the Duke Lemur Center. Um, so you mentioned earlier, I, I do executive ed teaching for Duke University for the Fuqua School of Business. One of the cool things about Duke, I mean, everybody's like, blah, blah, Duke basketball. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I really care about that. That Not was a really. little sad. The last game, it was a little sad. Yeah, poor, poor Coach K. I know he's gotten a lot of wins though. He's really, he's, he's done just fine for himself. But yes, it would have been nice if he could have if he could have gone out on the on the bang. But something that I would say is probably one of the most special things at Duke is that for whatever reason, I don't even know how this started, but there's a Duke Lemur Center and they have all of these lemurs. If you go to Durham, you can you can visit the the center and take a tour. It's amazing how different lemurs look. There's so many different kinds, they're so incredibly cute. But their Instagram channel, it's just all of these amazing little creatures. And it's like, here's a lemur eating a berry or whatever. And they're amazing. So I love the Duke Lemur Center. And the other one is Kit the Kitten Lady. And her her handle is like Kitten X Lady, I think. She has like a million followers. It's amazing. But her specialty is that she rescues orphan kittens every once in a while just as a wild card she'll rescue like uh an orphan pig or something just to kind of keep it keep it real but it's amazing and she teaches all these lessons about how to foster orphan kittens and they are cute wow okay mm -hmm. we, these are good follows yeah what's, what's your those... tip for me what, what, what well, should I be following? Going along, I I actually follow the Duke Marine Lab. Oh. They don't have they don't have lemurs, but they have sea creatures, mm. which you know maybe not as cute as a lemur, but still the research and stuff. Animal, I don't, it's still good. It's that good sounds follow. that sounds good to me. I like that. Yeah, it's a good follow. But I, lemurs are really cute, so. Maybe, maybe it's not as cute as that one, but it's close. It's close. You get points anyway. That's great. I get points anyway. Thank you. Um, okay. If you could give us all homework, we love homework and the homework could be anything. I will already give the homework of everyone should go buy the long game. So that homework is done. So boom, everyone go buy the long game. We're going to drop a link in the chat. That is just like a must do. But if you give us another piece of homework, maybe it's to watch a certain video or listen to a certain podcast episode or um, download a certain app that you like, what would be a good homework assignment that we could actionably do over the next five, six days? 
Okay. Well, one one uh, admittedly self-referential thing that I will suggest, but it's short, so it, it has that attribute. Um, I did a TEDx talk back in November uh, at TEDx Boston, and it was it was sort of inspired by the long game, although it it basically is just a, a deep dive into basically like I don't know five pages of the long game, but. It is a topic that I feel like is kind of a foundational topic related to like the, the reason why we don't do a lot of strategic thinking. Um, and that is because we're so busy. And so the, ta the, the TEDx talk that I gave, basically the title is um, why we're all so busy and what to do about it. And I hope that for, for everybody, it's like an eight minute talk. And hopefully it can just shake us out a little bit and maybe have us think a little bit differently about our schedules, our, our relationship with time and what we're saying yes to. Well, and I will also second, I forget which podcast I was listening to you on, but uh, you were saying when it came to busyness, and this really kind of shook me, was you were saying if you can just make small steps back, if you're meeting that person for coffee, if you can change that to a phone call, and if slowly the phone calls can change to five bullet emails and the five that you gain hours back. And as someone who thrives on being busy, loves being busy, sets up multiple coffee meetings, it really shook me as, huh, when I say that I'm too busy to work on long-term goals, if I did dial back two of those meetings, I would probably end up saving a lot of hours each week. So I, I can second, I think that that TEDx talk is awesome. Love that. Thanks for sharing, Kim. Oh my gosh. No. Okay. So where can people best find you other than your website? Do you show up more on LinkedIn or do you show up more on Instagram? Where can people connect and follow you and learn, keep learning from you? Yeah, thank you so much. That's great. Well, if if folks want to immerse themselves more and uh, and keep in touch, uh, I have a long game strategic thinking self assessment. I think you were kind enough to put that into the into the comments. It's doryclark.com slash the long game. And beyond that, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I do a lot there, so folks can follow me there. And uh, if they want to follow my cats uh, and my latte art, uh, Instagram would really be the place for that. And that's uh, just, you know, Dory Clark on Instagram. I want to know if you're doing the latte art or if you're just collecting the latte art of other baristas. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Oh, my goodness. I wouldn't, like, try to... You know, it's it's like a comedian telling someone else's jokes. What kind of a person do you think I am, Kim? No, I'm only featuring my bad latte art. Listen, one of my taglines is copy people's homework. So I would not put it above me to be like, yeah, I, I made that latte-ish. If you put a little jiggle on the top, it technically is yours, <laughs> even if 95% was somebody else. So hey, that's what I'm go. going with. <laughs> Love well, it. Dory, this was so amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending this time with us. I feel like we have so much Googling to do. And I forgot to mention this earlier, but if anyone would like, you can go to sendmenotes.com and we will send you all the notes and all the references with the links um, and books and stuff that Dory mentioned during our talk. So you don't have to worry about scrambling for those, but Dory, thank you so, so much. We really appreciate this. Thank you, Kim. Great to be here. And, and thanks for everybody tuning in as well. 
Awesome. Well, have a great rest of the week, guys, and enjoy, and we will see you next Wednesday. Whew, that was some good stuff. Thanks for being a part of this week's Coffee with Kim. If podcasts are your thing, subscribe to the show and you'll see a new episode appear next week in your favorite listening app. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern over on LinkedIn. You can RSVP at getcoffeewithkim.com. I want you to have your questions answered because why should I get to have all the fun? And let's be honest, you know how to ask some hard-hitting questions. My guests and I cannot wait to meet you. See you soon.